This week we are talking about idols, um, and Drew's sermon title was "How You Trippin'" without like all of the letters that are required to spell it out properly. So, uh, Drew, do you, you don't have your lineup in front of you. Here, I was going to ask you to read this quote that's on there. Um, we're just throwing papers around because we're super professional about this. Absolutely. So, Drew, uh, why don't you read the quote that kind of like was the the header, the title for your um, your sermon? This yeah, morning. we tried to to identify what idolatry is. I don't know in our culture anymore that we really understand what it looks like or how it operates, but this is a pretty clear definition I found from Richard Nahew. It says, an idol is anything, any attitude, any belief, or any God that so captures a person's attention and allegiance that God does not have preeminence. I think that was pretty simple to help us really get the gist that no matter what it is, how big or small, whether we worship it in our house or not, we have these little hidden idols that we take up into our heart quite often. And the whole point of this first session of this series was to help identify what those idols are because like I said, I don't know that many of us really recognize how frequent and how um, constant they are in our lives, but they're there, without a doubt. Drew, I, um, I wrote on my, my notes this past week, what in my life matches this statement? And, and I'll be honest, I, I, I found it really hard to, to come up with some answers. Uh, because if you really look at it and it says, so that, or that so captures a person's attentions and allegiance that God does not have preeminence. And, and there's a lot in there that, that I would say um, doesn't line up with making God preeminent. Now, there may be things where I'm, I think I'm, I'm putting God first and putting God in the preeminent spot in my life, but all too often it ends up being um, things that are, are lesser, uh, things that aren't quite you know, they may be good, but they there's still an idol hidden in there that, that I may not be aware of. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's we get off every every week going, Well, God's in he's number one. Really he's top three, if we're being honest. Right. But he needs to be in that preeminent spot. That's that's the whole purpose. That's why he was so upset with the elders of Israel. They it wasn't like they were rejecting him as as God. They saw him as you know, the one true God and claiming monotheism, but they, they weren't practicing that and so he was a little fed up with that and kind of we operate the same way in theory we want to say we're worshiping God alone but I don't know if you really in practicality look at it that we could really say that so all of us are guilty of that including me yeah absolutely I think if, if we go to church and kind of check our boxes all the time it's really easy to say that you know most of my time goes to Christ or, or I put him in, in the top spot, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's it's all these things that you listed in the hidden idols that I think get. And I don't want to John A. Cuff Jesus juke it, but you can ask yourself, how much time did you spend in prayer or in study over how much time you spent on social media? Amen. You know, wait, 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 what did you just say? <laughs> you never heard that John before? A. Cuff John, super juke John, it? John A. Cuff. He came up with this thing called Jesus juke, where you you turn <laughs> this real, you turn everything into spiritual. It's like so. Final Four is coming up, you know, he'd be like, Jesus Juke would be, oh, well, it'd be nice if all 40,000 people who screamed at the Final Four would worship Jesus that passionately. That's a Jesus Juke. I love, so. your, I love your voice that you just went into for him, you like too. That? That, I don't pull those out very often. Well, but, there you go. You, you know. Yeah, Drew is developing his characters already. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely right. And the thing that I kind of like dove into a little bit was like, Things that I kind of assumed 
would be idols in my life. Um, really quickly, I was like, maybe that's, maybe that's not it, you know, maybe that's not what, what it is. And maybe that's not, you know, the thing that I'm really struggling with. And it's like, one of the big things for me is always like money and stuff. And, you know, uh, you made the comment, um, and, and Bob had made this comment a lot too, like, you know, check your checking account and see where you're really at Mm -hmm. with things, because that's pretty quickly, uh, a clear indicator. And I got thinking about it and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know that that is as much of an idol as I thought it was. Like I had, I'd always heard like, Oh, money is the root of all evil. And like you, you get impressed with this thought that, you know, money is bad. But the truth is if people in the church didn't have money to give to the church, the church would not be as effective. So God is using money as a tool. And that's the thing. It's, it's, all of these things were designed by God, you know, um, you know, fear and all of these different things that we talk about as idols, comfort, but he also designed them that if we use them properly, they're a great tool to further the kingdom. And that's, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about that, that, you know, yeah, money is the root of all evil, but in the right hands, doing the right things, it's one of the biggest tools we have to, to spread the gospel and to do things that, that need to be done. So that was one of the things that I was kind of like, you know, I was sitting back at the soundboard this week, just kind of, you know, I get, I get the privilege of listening to it twice though. So I always like, I don't know, the second time through the service, I'm always like listening to something different or I'm in the welcome center drinking coffee, but you know, but no, that was my big takeaway from this week. So yeah. And part of the reason that we talked more about the hidden idols than even the external ones is because the external stuff is only being driven by something that's underneath. And so yes, the love of money is the root of all evil and money inherently is not a bad thing. But when you start talking about greed, and you start talking about the things that are driving us to the external things, that's when it gets dangerous. Because I think I mentioned it in the sermon, you can white knuckle not chasing money, not buying new stuff, not going after relationships. But if your heart is inclined to want those things for, you know, the idol of comfort or selfishness or whatever it is, then that's the stuff we've got to root out. Because if you don't, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Just trying to simply cut out the external stuff isn't, isn't going to work. I found that to be true in my life anyway. Yeah, um, Jimmy Needham has a song called Clear the Stage, and, and in that he has like a little bridge that says, anything that I put before my God is an idol, anything that I want with all my heart is an idol. And you, like you said, like you can white-knuckle things all the time and say, well, I'm not going to do this. Your heart isn't right. And so I think at times even even our white-knuckled experience of trying to to say, I'm not going to do this, can become an idol, you know. Just just the idea of um, like I I'm gonna I'm gonna push through. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give twenty five percent from now on. I may not have the heart to do that, but but I can white knuckle that for a while, and and then that in and of itself can become that idol because it's not God didn't lead me to do that. I'm just doing it for my own pride, and so I I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I'm going to pull that in this coming this coming week too, um, and talk about morality. That that's that's not what God is after. He's not after simply our begrudging obedience to a set of rules and say, "All right, God, I check it off the list. I did these five things this week. Aren't you happy?" When our heart is not in what we're doing. So that's something that we're going to look at on Sunday. I think again that people might struggle with some of the underlying things. I don't know that any of us really on the surface go, well, I'm going to do these things so that God will be honored and pleased. But in our heart, if we look deep enough, I think that may be the motivating factor as to why we try so hard is so that God maybe will bless us back because we've been good for the week. 
you you have idolatry divides um and you know one of the things your first points was um you know should i allow myself uh to be consulted by them um and and then you you know you go on to have a couple of sub points but um we are in ezekiel uh 14 1 through 11 um and you kind of have have tied to that verse three. And so I just kind of want to really quickly hit these, hit these points that you kind of have listed out that you went over in the sermon. Uh, but I know for most people, even including myself, when I come back and read this, uh, your notes, you know, now it's been, what are we at Friday? So it's been six days, five, six days, um, since we sat and listened to this and I'm going, okay, I don't even remember you talking about this. Um, and so if you would real quick, we'll just kind of go through and hit every point and kind of give me a, uh, Give me like the 30,000 foot view of, of what you were getting at with them. Well, the whole thing about idolatry divides, it comes out of that text. And you can see when, when God talks to Ezekiel and he's talking about the idolatrous hearts of those certain elders, not all the elders, but, but some of the elders who were pulling up a seat before Ezekiel, wanting him to be the middleman between them and God. And really they, they wanted to present their request before God and kind of demand his full attention. But yet God looks at their hearts and says, you want my full attention, but you're not fully devoted to me. And so he, he mentions, I, I looked five times in that text, that the way that you can see that when we set up the stumbling block of idolatry in our hearts, um, it divides us from God. And those were some of the statements that God had made through Ezekiel to the people, just showing in what ways we are divided when we are not solely given all, of the, all that we have to our devotion to the preeminence of God. Yeah, I wrote down from, from your sermon that worshiping something else can only pull us further from God. And you made a statement multiple times that idolatry is only fighting against what only God is fighting for. And I think that's an incredible point. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times when we look at idolatry, and, and it's specifically the fact that we are not supposed to have idols, we look at this list of things that the world... Um, says are good or or not bad, and and we say, well, we can't do these things anymore, money, stuff, relationships, people, whatever. And I think we look at it and say, well, God doesn't want me to have any fun. Uh, God doesn't want me to enjoy my life. But what what we don't realize is the fact that He is pursuing so hard after our hearts, and the fact that He is pursuing so hard after the things that we cling to that aren't Him is actually an act of grace because our hearts can only be truly satisfied by Him. And so I, I think that's um, a really excellent point, that idolatry is fighting against what only God is fighting for, and that is a close communion, communion with His people, a close relationship with His people, and ultimately to, to show us what can only satisfy our hearts. Yeah, some of those, some of those points in there are talking about how we are estranged from God. Um, how he has turned his face away from us. He will cut us off and we are uh, astray from him. I mentioned in the sermon, and Brandon just mentioned that, that the whole purpose of sending Christ was that God might reconcile us to himself through Jesus. That's, that's the only thing he's fighting for. And, and I mentioned in the sermon, only God is doing that. We, we are not agents of reconciliation. We're not seeking that. Only God is seeking that. We, on the other hand, are rebelling, and our, and our idolatry is working against what God is working for. Um, and so you can see in that text so many ways in which we don't even realize how we are working against 
the God-ordained process of reconciliation. And then we wonder at night, where is God? Why can't I hear God? Why isn't God moving? And God's like, bro, look at your heart. You've got so many things external and hidden that are in there, and you were divided, and you've turned from me, and you wonder where I am. I've been here the whole time. We, I feel like sometimes God's like, where are you? It, yeah, and that's, the, you know, you make a good point because far too often people go, well, you know, God just isn't speaking to me and he's not, he's not doing this. And it's like, well, are you, I mean, you have to kind of look at it from your, from, from God's perspective. And I, I, you know, I think about it, we're talking about division and I think about the kid who's sitting on the floor and like, I I just have this mental image of the kid who's like playing with stuff. And they're like, you know, I hear this all the time. Like, Hey, uh, for me, it's my niece. She always goes, uncle, watch me, watch me. Look at this. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. And it's like, you know, she demands my attention when it's something she wants me to see. But then it's like, she'll go over in the corner and be doing something and she gets real quiet and we kind of treat God the same way. And, you know, she's, she's obviously then not doing something good or that she should be as Drew's phone goes off. It's our student pastor. You should just answer and put him on just, just like (laughs) hold him up to the mic. All right, Alan, what are you struggling with today? Uh, but no, like, you know, I I think about that. It's, you know, it's, it's, we, we demand God's attention when we're doing the things that we should be doing. It's like, Hey, look at me, look how great I am. And we get all puffed up in and of ourselves. And then we go over here in the corner and we're just like, just, you know, we pretend like he doesn't see us. And it's kind of the same thing with kids. You know, they get this, this idea that if they can just slip away, like they're not going to know, but you know what kids don't realize is as soon as there's silence, every parent or adult is going, okay, what in the world is happening? So it's the same kind of thing. I mean, we, we demand God's attention and then we expect him to just look the other way, but God's saying, no, it doesn't work like that. Like, you know, you either, you're either going to have my attention, you know, or, or not. And it's, you know, we have to kind of make that decision of, you know, where, where are we putting our, our time and our energy and our money and our effort, you know, and then, are we okay with the fact that God's going to see it all the time? There's no shutting it off. So that's, I mean, that was one of the, one of the other thoughts I had. Yeah. I wrote down too something Drew said on Sunday, idolatry is never external. It's only internal. And so, you know, like, like you were just talking about it, is it something that we're okay with seeing? I think a lot of times we, we try to put our external self together, but God sees all the way to the heart and, he sees what's going on with us all the time. And so, you know, I think it's, it's incredible to, to think about the fact that, that I can't hide anything. Um, and it's always out there. It's always laid out there in the open. So, um, yeah, and I think what this whole idol thing is, is really ultimately driving at is who owns my heart. Yeah, exactly. And we talked about comfort being one of the hidden idols. One of the things I think maybe can be coupled to that, but we didn't really discuss was convenience. We, we live in a convenient culture. We want what we want now. And it's easy for us to go to God when we want something from Him because it's convenient. But when, it, when push comes to shove and it's time to put the you know, rubber to the road and really obey and do what's right, when it's not convenient, we won't. We'll go for whatever idol brings us the best results the quickest. So that's why we run to sex. That's why we run to money. That's why we run to everything that we can because those are bringing quicker results than we think God can produce. But ultimately, as you mentioned, God is pursuing our heart completely fully. And 
part of the reason that we don't turn to God is because we forget. We hear verses like, I'm, you know, you're estranged and I will cut you off. I'll turn my face from you. And we feel like if we do it one more time, God's done with us. And we forget how much grace is involved. That at the end of that text and where I landed the plane in the sermon was God continually saying, I still want to be your God. I'm doing this because I, I have not forsaken you. I'm not growing tired and weary and I'm not going to turn on you. I want to be your God. I'm just trying to restore your heart. And so to me, that's the most convenient thing we can think of. God, ultimately what he wants is a restoration of our hearts, being fully devoted to him. And if he'll do whatever it takes to get us there, I think we should let him. That's the hard part is we don't want to let him do it. Right. Yeah. And as Christians, sometimes we're so guilty of um, being comfortable in the fact that we are living in grace. You know, we, excuse me, we lose the we lose kind of the wincing of it a little bit. You know, you have to kind of look at grace as, um, or at least I have been recently looking at it like, you know, yeah, grace is grace is incredible, and God's grace is never ending, and you can't run far enough away from it. However, it was bought with a price. You know, that grace was not free. And so, you know, as you look at stuff in your life and you go, yeah, God's grace is bigger, you know, you also understand that that grace was not, it wasn't free. It wasn't something that just happened. God, you know, had to, had to give his son and then had to die a terrible death to get that grace for us. So it's, it's kind of this balance of, you know, yeah, you know, we're forgiven, we're set free. Um, but you have to kind of look back to the cross and go, yeah, but that wasn't, that wasn't an easy road. And he could have just wiped us off the planet and been, you know, done with us. But instead he chose to do all this stuff. And that's, I mean, that's the gospel in, in the nutshell. And it's, it's, it's so true. And that's one of the things that, you know, as, as we look at everything in, in the Bible, you kind of have to look back to, you know, the cross and the resurrection and, and what it all means and how it all kind of presents itself to us. And that's the big thing, right? Like, you know, in, in all of our struggles, we always say grace is greater and it is, um, that's the story of the gospel. But, you know, I have to remind myself that just because it's greater doesn't mean I should use that as a, as a cop out, you know, it's, it was bought with a price and it wasn't a cheap price. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of on that, um, Drew mentioned Sunday that love and wrath are the flip side of the same coin. And so while, there's these immense, vast love and grace available at the cross. Yeah, Drew had also mentioned that God loves us so much that He will call us out on our sin, and, and that He He will He will do whatever it takes to turn us away from our idols. And, and ultimately, it's because He knows what's best for us. And, and I think you even mentioned Drew on Sunday that you know any any parent that that has young children knows that. You know, when we chastise or punish our child, whether it be, you know, time out or whatever, it's ultimately to one turn their hearts back from what is wrong, but two because we know what's best for that child, and and you know, giving them whatever they want all the time is never what's best. And I think that's the same thing with idolatry. He realizes that well, a lot of the things that we pursue as idols are not inherently bad things outside of explicit sin. Um, they ultimately are not what's best for us, and they are stealing our hearts away from from what he is trying to accomplish. So. Well, that's uh, that's what we're going to talk about for this week. Uh, that was 
the the title block of Drew's sermon from last week was how you tripping. Um, and, and as we as we kind of go on with these these podcasts, we're going to try to, um, in retrospect, look at what we talked about on Sunday, have a little bit of a conversation about it, um, spend some time just sharing thoughts and ideas and looking at it. Um, and, and the whole purpose is to get to get everyone who's listening or anyone, if there is, um, just thinking more about, you know, what this week it was idols. But, you know, as we move through, there'll be every topic under the under the sun, I'm sure, and, and getting you thinking about that and keeping you engaged in what's happening. So um, this next week, though, uh, Drew, you are going to be speaking on... Why you tripping? Why you tripping? Yeah. Okay. I see. I seeing a. Uh, there's got to uh, be a theme. There's a theme here mm-hmm. happening. So, um, what what scripture are we going to be in this week? It's Romans chapter nine, verse thirty through chapter ten, verse four. So the whole the whole premise for this week is, um, the the Jews couldn't figure out why their works weren't earning them salvation. So let me read. Let me read from the text. It says. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Basically, the Jews were tripping over Jesus and his righteousness, and they couldn't figure out why they'd worked so hard to attain and to hold to the law, but yet it wasn't earning them salvation so that's, that's going to be our thing today. Why, why are you tripping? Are you tripping over morality? Are you tripping over you know, keeping the law, thinking that it's going to earn your salvation? It won't. And so we're going to, we're going to dive into that and look at it in, in detail on Sunday. Hey, thanks for tuning in today and listening to us. Don't forget to look for more of these in the future. We plan to put these out every week. Uh, so thanks for checking us out.